as the door opened, than I ran down into the hall. There lay a trunk and some bandboxes. Beside them stood a person like a nurse girl, and at the foot of the staircase was Warren with a shawled bundle in his arms. Is that the child? I asked. Yes, miss. I would have opened the shawl and tried to get a peep at the face, but it was turned from me to Warren's shoulder. Put me down, please, said a small voice when our manservant opened the drawing room door, and take off this shawl. Continued the speaker, extracting with its minute hand the pin, and with a sort of fastidious haste, doffing the clumsy wrapping. The creature which now appeared made a deft attempt to fold the shawl, but the drapery was much too heavy and large to be sustained or wielded by those hands and arms. Give it to my maid, Harriet, please, was then the direction, and she can put it away. This said, It turned and fixed its eyes on Mrs. Breton. Come here, little dear, said the lady. Come and let me see if you are cold and damp. Come and let me warm you at the fire. The child advanced promptly. Relieved of her wrapping, she appeared exceedingly tiny, but was a neat, completely fashioned little figure, light, slight, and straight. Seated on my godmother's ample lap, She looked a mere doll. Her neck, delicate as wax, her head of silky curls increased, I thought, the resemblance. Mrs. Breton talked in little fond phrases as she chafed the child's hands, arms, and feet. First, she was considered with a wistful gaze, but soon a smile answered her. Mrs. Breton was not generally a caressing woman. Even with her deeply cherished son, her manner was rarely sentimental, often the reverse. But when this little stranger smiled at her, she kissed it, asking, What is my little one's name? Missy. <laughs> But besides Missy. Polly. Papa calls her. Will Polly be content to live with me? Not always. But till Papa comes for me. Papa is gone away. On going up to what was now my shared bedroom an hour after the child retired, I found her still wide awake. She had arranged her pillows so as to support her little person in a sitting posture. Her hands, placed one within the other, rested quietly on the sheet with an old fashioned calm, most unchildlike. I abstained from speaking to her for some time. But just before extinguishing the light, I recommended her to lie down. By and by, was the answer. But you will take cold, Missy. She took some tiny article of raiment from the chair at her crib side, and with it covered her shoulders. I suffered her to do as she pleased. Listening a while in the darkness, I was aware that she wept, wept under restraint. Quietly and cautiously. On descending next morning, I found Paulina, the child called herself Polly, but her full name was Paulina Mary, seated at the breakfast table by Mrs. Breton's side. A mug of milk stood before her, a morsel of bread filled her hand, which lay passive on the tablecloth. She was not eating. How we shall conciliate this little creature, said Mrs. Breton to me. I don't know, 
she tastes nothing, and by her looks she has not slept. I expressed my confidence in the effects of time and kindness. If she were to take a fancy to anybody in the house, she would soon settle. But not till then, replied Mrs. Breton. One evening, not long after, we were seated round the fire after tea when Graham joined our circle. I should rather say broke it up, for of course his arrival made a bustle. Graham was at that time a handsome, faithless looking youth of sixteen. I say faithless looking not because he was really of a very perfidious disposition, but because the epithet strikes me as proper to describe the fair, Celtic, not Saxon, character of his good looks. His waved light auburn hair, his supple symmetry, his smile frequent and destitute neither of.